Hey everyone, welcome to Ask. On this edition, does God change his mind? And why did Jesus get so angry at fig trees? Join us on Ask. All right, I'm Pastor Jamie, and this is where we answer your questions about the Bible life or faith or anything else you have on your mind. You can submit your questions, go to cornerstonebv.org, our media page drop down, you hit ask, and then it's just an easy thing to fill out. Uh, we definitely could use your questions. We've gotten some over the last couple of weeks, but um, you ask that question, you know other people have the same question. Maybe you're crazy, but other people are crazy too. So uh, this is a really good one that I think people uh, often wonder, and that is, uh, does God change his mind? Because um, sometimes in the Bible it seems that way. So, so let's set it up this way. Let me give you a couple of verses. Uh, Malachi 3.6 declares, um, quote, I am the Lord and I do not change. Numbers 23.19, also, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should change his mind. So the simple answer of does God change his mind is no, he does not. Um, and, and when we say that, however, what we're talking about is, is you know, when a human being or a son of man, right, uh, changes his mind, it's like, oh, you know what, I was wrong in that, or I lacked information that I, you know, that I now have, so I'm going to change my mind, or, uh, you know what, I, I realized I was in a bad mood that day, or whatever reason, that's why we change our mind. That's not God. His attributes are perfection. Uh, he's always holy, he's always right, he always knows everything, he doesn't forget things. So there'd be no reason for it to change his mind. Right? When you know everything past, present, and future, what would be the point of that? However, you might ask, there are examples where God changes course. Uh, one example would be after the golden calf. He tells Moses, I'm going to wipe everyone out uh, and start over with you. And Moses intercedes uh, on, on their behalf and God relents from judging everyone. Another would be um, uh, if you read the book of Jonah, the prophet Jonah, where God says he's going to uh, destroy all of Nineveh. And Jonah eventually, after a whole thing with the fish and you know the story, goes to Nineveh and tells everyone that they're going to be judged. They repent and God then also relents. So in a way, changes course for what he said he was gonna do. Uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, he says, well, I'm gonna destroy this whole place. And Abraham kind of interceded and said, what if you find, you know, 40 righteous or, or 30 or 10, all the way down to 10. And eventually he did destroy it, but saved Lot and his wife until she looked back. So there's these, these incidents where uh, it seems like God changes, but there is uh, sort of a stipulation for that. Um, that where God will say, here's what I'm going to do if you do not repent. But if you do repent, um, and this is what it actually says in the Bible, if at any time I announce that a nation or kingdom is to be uprooted, torn down, and destroyed, and if that nation I warned repents of its evil, then I will relent and not inflict on it the disaster I had planned. And if at another time I announce that a nation or kingdom is to be built up and planted, and if it does evil in my sight and does not obey me, then I will reconsider the good I intended to do for it. So God works into his plan uh, relenting that's if we do what he says or don't do what he says, right? Um, so even prayer itself, uh, is it effectual? Well, the Bible says it is, meaning I pray for God to heal and in response to my prayer, he might heal or he might do something, he might answer that prayer. In a way, haven't I caused God to change his mind? And the answer to that is no, not in that same sense that you and I might change our mind. Um, he is God. So a lot of times we um, 
get descriptions in scripture that, that bring it down to a level where we can grasp and understand. So it seems like he's behaving the same way maybe a, a perfect human would. But he's greater than even that. Uh, he's so great and, and there's so much depth to him that we really, at a certain point, we just can't even fathom it. We can't even fathom what it means to have constant sovereign control of everything at all times. Like that's just, you know, I can say that, fine, but what does that mean? To really understand the implications of that, they just blow our mind. And so God pairs it down so that we can understand aspects of him, what we need to understand, right? But then there's other things we just have to trust him. And so in that sovereignty that we really can't fathom, he actually incorporates our what, uh, obedience or disobedience in his plan. He incorporates our prayers. They are effectual, but they didn't actually change his mind. He just works them into his sovereignty and that's where it's really impossible for us to grasp. And so what does that, where does that leave us? It means that we, uh, that God does intend good for us, but there is times where our actions can mess that up. It doesn't mean he changed his mind, it's just worked into it. Also, we should pray because it is effectual and God has worked our prayers into um, to his plan. And, and so he's called us to pray, so we should obey that and do it. But we should also not waver in trusting God because man, he has promised certain things, but what if he changes his mind? He's not gonna change his mind about the promises that he's given us in scripture that are unconditional promises. Um, the conditional ones, fine, but not the unconditional ones that are found in Christ. Okay, hopefully that helps. It is definitely a challenging one for sure, but thank you for asking it. Let's do one more. Um, the story of the fig tree, Matthew 21 and Mark 11. This is where uh, Jesus sees a fig tree in, in bloom in the distance. He's walking with his disciples. He gets there, there's no figs, and he, and he curses it. And the next day, it withers and dies. And, and so the question is, I've always associated this parable about pruning branches that didn't bear fruit. Uh, it's not really a parable because it's a real life, it's more of an illustration, but that's fine. I'm not picking uh, the hairs or splitting hairs with you there. Um, he says that, that I always thought, saw this as pruning fruit in, in a believer's life, um, but it also says in Mark 11 that it's not in fig season, so that's why it didn't bear figs. Am I missing something? Um, but you know, maybe a couple things you're missing. That, that first of all, just because it, it wasn't in fig season, the point of it is this, if you understand uh, really any tree, but, but the way fig trees work is they bear fruit and then very in following that come the figs, right? So when you see, uh, I should say where they bear leaves, that's what I meant to say. So when you see leaves come out, you realize, okay, there's going to be figs. And so this fig tree, even though it wasn't in season, had the leaves that should have said, okay, if I look closely, I'm gonna see the fruit, the figs that it's supposed to bear. Jesus got, sees the leaves, okay, looks like a healthy, good fig tree, but no figs, okay? And keep in mind, in context, Jesus was also clearing the temple. He was judging the religious leaders that were, were messing around with God's house. So this fig tree illustration is not about pruning, it's about hypocrisy. It's about looking religious, like the Pharisees and most of the Pharisees, not all, but most of them did, and, and looking the part at God's temple and wearing the clothes and doing all the, the, the rituals, right? You're bearing leaves. You're looking like a healthy disciple, a healthy uh, uh, member of God's people. And, and yet, l when you look closely, 
there's no fruit. That means you're pretending. And so Jesus judges. And so he's therefore, in that illustration, he's kind of showing us, teaching us, that he will judge religious people who aren't really found in Christ. If you are in Christ, you will bear fruit. You won't just look like a religious person. Anyone can do that. You can carry a Bible, you can dress up and go to church, you can say the right things, you can kind of try to even do some of the right things, you can attend church, attend Bible studies, you can right, learn the lingo, bear leaves, but you will not bear fruit. Fruit comes from actually knowing, trusting, and following Jesus Christ. And so you, you just pretending and putting leaves into your life is not enough. You need to bear fruit. Uh, and so that's how you'll, we will know if you're genuine, if there will be fruit. So that's what that illustration shows. All right, that's all we have time for uh, today. Uh, so hopefully you've enjoyed this. Pass it along, share it, like it on, if you're watching it on social media, and submit your questions at cornerstonebv.org. And uh, hopefully we'll see you this weekend in one of our three gatherings as well. God bless.